Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Je suis venu vous parler d'Europe. Das ist ein guter Tag für Deutschland und es ist ein guter Tag für Europa. Brexit means Brexit. Du lytter til Parlamentet, Altingets podcast om Europa, sponsoreret af 3F. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. We'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know when. Uha, ikoniske ord og minder fra en verdenskrig. Britternes dronning er slet ikke blevet for gammel til at holde en tale, der rammer plet. Og det, selvom Elisabeth den anden fylder 94 år om to uger. Som ung pige måtte hun stige op på tronen ganske få år efter krigen. Og nu, næsten 70 år senere, forsøger det forenede kongeriges monark at berolige en befolkning, der ligesom alle os andre er rystet af pandemien covid-19. I et Storbritannien, hvor premierministeren selv, Boris Johnson, nu er blevet indlagt på hospitalet med noget, der godt kunne ligne et alvorligt tilfælde af den globale virus. Men hvad pokker sker der så med Brexit? Skulle britterne ikke ud ved slutningen af det her år? Hvad sker der nu med de forhandlinger? Hvad siger Margrethe Vestager? Altså, det, det ved jeg, jeg har, ikke, jeg har virkelig ikke skænket det en tanke, og det, det siger måske det hele. Jeg så en, en vidtighedstegning i går, jeg tror fra en britisk avis, der sidder sådan et par af fjernsyn, og de har en stabler avis, og ved siden af, så er der en frygtelig corona-overskrift på deres fjernsynsskærm, og så, så siger man til konen, åh, oh, jeg længes efter Brexit. Jamen kan næsten længes efter dengang, hvor Storbritanniens exit fra EU var noget af det alvorligste, der foregik her i Europa, sådan politisk og økonomisk. Nu er det som om, at covid-19 har vendt bunden i vejret på det hele. Men det betyder ikke, at der ikke længere foregår kriminalitet i Europa. Slet ikke. Forbryderne har bare ændret taktik. Det fortæller direktøren for Europol om i et eksklusivt interview i dag. Velkommen til Parlamentet Lockdown. Mit navn er Thomas Lauritsen. Parlamentet er sponsoreret af 3F, fordi Danmark fortjener færre journalistik om EU. Denne uges europæiske podcast er en interview-special, sådan en lidt særlig påskeversion uden hjælp fra min kollega Rikke Albregsen. Som sagt kan du om lidt høre et interview med den europæiske politichef. Hun er belgier, og hun hedder Katrine de Bolle. 
Men inden vi når til det, så kigger vi lige inden for nogle minutter hos Margrethe Vestager. Her mandag havde kommissionens ledende næstformand nemlig inviteret podcasten og de andre danske medier her i Bruxelles til et møde på Skype, hvor Vestager svarede på spørgsmål om Europas coronakrise. Her kommer et Lille uddrag på omkring 5 minutter. Vi hopper ind, hvor Vestager svarer på et spørgsmål om den store økonomiske krise, der allerede er begyndt at brede sig. Vil kommissionen sende en besked til sparsommelige regeringer som Danmark om, at EU's næste budget nu alligevel er nødt til at blive større i de kommende år? Jamen, altså, vi, vi sender jo ikke beskeder til nogen, øh, om man så må sige. Øh, vi har en opgave øh, at løse. Jeg synes, det er helt åbenlyst, når man ser den situation, der er i for eksempel Italien og Spanien, at at der er brug for, at vi hjælper hinanden. Og jeg synes, det er helt afgørende, at man har et et åbent tabufrit, en åben tabufri tilgang til den her diskussion, for så at finde de redskaber, som gør, at vi kan vise egentlig europæisk solidaritet. Fordi uden det, så knækker Europa jo jo midt over i, i, I Danmark har vi været øh, dygtige og, øh, og heldige. Jeg tror ikke, der er nogen, øh, der har lyst til at være i hverken den italienske eller den spanske situation. Øh, og jeg tror, at rigtig mange mennesker de har lyst til at, øh, at kunne sige, at vi, vi, vi gør faktisk noget for at hjælpe dem, som er så meget hårdere ramt, end vi selv er. Det mest oplagte, det er selvfølgelig at se på vores flereårige finansielle ramme. Fordi der er øh, parlamentarisk kontrol, øh, der er transparens, og det er en kendt måde at, øh, at omfordele på. Øh, de seneste mange, mange år har vi jo gjort det med strukturfonde, som så er gået til, til, øh, til Øst- og i nogle udstrækninger centraleuropæiske lande, som har fået massive strukturfondsmidler, som man også kan se på, på den fordeling, der var, som lige var fremme også i den hjemlige presse her, her den anden dag, som jo afspejler, øh, hvor mange midler der er i strukturfondene. De samme mekanismer øh, kan man jo bruge for at sørge for, at de lande, som har været særlig hårdt øh, ramt, af sundhedskrisen, får nødvendig og tilstrækkelig hjælp til så at genopbygge økonomisk. Og det er et helt kendt redskab, og det kan gøres på på mange forskellige måder. Det skal jeg ikke kloge mig på, fordi det er ikke mig, der er budgetmagikeren her. Men men det er i hvert fald et af de redskaber, som man bliver nødt til at at se for sig, fordi man får den her transparens, og man får også en parlamentarisk kontrol, som kan være med til at sørge for, at man faktisk får den, 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 den rigtige, hvad skal man sige, den egentlige europæiske tilgang øh, til det her, øh, i stedet for at man får en genopførelse af positionerne fra finanskrisen. Udstiller den her situation svagheder øh, for EU, og burde EU have været bedre forberedt på sådan en situation her, synes du? Det, øh, jamen det er ikke noget banalt spørgsmål, det er et helt øh, afgørende spørgsmål, fordi det er åbenlyst, at øh, svagheder bliver udstillet øh, i en situation som den her. Jeg tror, det er nu otte uger siden, at øh, jeg snakkede med min øh, kollega Stella med ansvar for sundhed, som var meget frustreret over, at, øh, at der ikke kunne blive et møde med sundhedsministerne, for at man kunne begynde at koordinere, hvad man gjorde øh, under den tilsynlande trussel fra en, øh, en meget smitsom virus. Og, øh, og det vi jo så så derfra, det var grænselukninger, som gjorde, at distributionskæderne de brød sammen, som gjorde, at det blev svært at få øh, udstyr de steder, hvor man var hårdt ramt. Og, 
Og det er der så brugt virkelig, virkelig mange kræfter på at reparere på. Altså for eksempel den indsats, min kollega med ansvar for, for transport og for etableret de her grønne baner, som gør, at godstransport med, med lastbil, for så vidt også med tog og fly, kan fungere uden de forsinkelser, som der var, dengang grænserne lukkede, og der lige pludselig var køer på, på 20 og 40 kilometer nogle steder i Europa. Så, så der er jo brug for Øh, først og fremmest handling, øh, men derefter jo selvfølgelig også eftertanke. Øh, hvad gør man for, at, øh, at vores europæiske union ikke kun er en solskinsunion, øh, men også er et sted, hvor vi kan regne med, at naboerne rækker en hånd ud, hvis vi har brug for det? Mm. Hvad vil du sige, den hovedlærestregen af det her er for, for EU? Jamen, jeg tror desværre, at det, at det er en menneskelig reaktion, at man skal lære hver dag, hver morgen, når man står op, at de problemer, man har, de løses bedre sammen med andre, end hvis man selv tager fat. Og det synes at gælde på alle niveauer, at når, når problemet øh, synes at ramme en personligt, så tænker man, at jeg må selv gøre, hvad jeg kan. For at tænke, mm, det her det er godt nok noget, der rammer mig, men det rammer nok også andre, så lad os finde ud af, hvad vi gør i fællesskab. Og det synes at være noget, man skal lære og genlære og genlære øh, og genlære, Øh, uanset af al konkret erfaring, sådan set burde gøre, at det var rygmavsreaktionen. Tak til Margrethe Vestager, konkurrencekommissær og ledende næstformand i EU-kommissionen med ansvar for EU's digitale fremtid. Netop det der digitale er pludselig kommet til at fylde endnu mere i dagligdagen, end det gjorde i forvejen for mange af os. Der bliver købt ind på nettet og holdt videokonferencer til den store guldmedalje. Og børnene går også i skole på computeren. Og så videre, og så videre. Mens store dele af samfundet er sendt hjem, så er meget af vores liv flyttet over på internettet. Men pas nu på, for det betyder, at mange af de kriminelle er flyttet med. Det kan være farligt for vores børn og for alle os andre på mange måder. Den advarsel kommer nu fra det europæiske politisamarbejde Europol, som overvåger den kriminelle udvikling i Europa. Forleden dag ringede jeg til direktøren for Europol. Det er Belgiens tidligere politidirektør, Katrin de Bolle. Her kan du høre hende fortælle om, hvordan forbryderne opfører sig under den værste pandemi i 100 år. Vi ser, at der er less kriminalitet på the streets, så vi ser, at vi har en increase of criminality on streets but we have we have a decrease of criminality on streets but we have an increase of cyber criminality and counterfeited goods um, what we see is that um, burglaries are now done in commercial premises and medical facilities we also have thefts of lorries with medical equipment that has been reported already And what we also see is that there is a refocus uh, from criminals to towards vulnerable elder people. So they use then the grandmother nephew trick, which means that they try to contact an elder peep an, an older people, an older person. Uh, they uh, tell her or him that the nephew is hospitalized and, and infected by the virus, and that they have to continue with the test at home uh, with this person. So that is the way how they try to get in the houses of elder people and then they, they commit their uh, their act, their acts. 
Okay. Uh, I've seen in some of the material from Europol that there are also problems with counterfeit materials. Uh, how, how does that take place, for instance? Uh, what we see is that uh, the criminal organizations are very flexible and agile. Uh, when we uh, saw the pandemic in the European Union, we immediately saw an increase of counterfeit goods. And we can say that the selling of these counterfeit goods is booming at the moment. Why is that? Because there is a high demand uh, from people to goods to protect themselves uh, towards medication. Uh, so uh, the high demand uh, for these goods gives the inspiration to criminal organizations to uh, sell counterfeit goods uh, through the dark web, for instance. And what kind of goods are, th are that? Is, is uh, it medicine? Yeah, medicines, pharmaceutical products. Uh, we also see certain types of healthcare and sanitary products like uh, clothes and equipment, gloves. And we also see uh, the distribution of counterfeit COVID-19 tests. And we can say that all these uh, goods and tests, they have a negative impact on the health of the citizens in the European Union and, in, in, and globally. There's also a rise in, uh, in cybercrime. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yes, um, criminals um, are very active uh, in the cyber world. Um, uh, the impact of the pandemic is most visible over there. Um, and we see, see a, a sharp increase in uh, cybercrime. What is really worrying us, us is that uh, we see more and more attacks towards critical infrastructures. And what is a critical infrastructure at now? It's uh, a hospital, of course, medical infrastructures, uh, supermarkets. We see that uh, the phishing mails in the send out uh, in the beginning of the crisis and until now um, are more and more uh, related to sophisticated attacks of this criminal infrastructure, which causes a lot of problems. We have a case in um, the Czech Republic where we had a cyber attack towards a hospital. Due to the attack, the IT system had to be uh, closed down uh, and several uh, urgent medical interventions could not take place. So if you have the combination of the health crisis and an attack to your health system, to hospitals, then it worsens the crisis. But what's the point of attacking a hospital? Uh, what's in it for the criminals? The ransom they got out of it. So they always ask um, uh, money uh, to give you the key to de-block again and to have access to your data. It's always about money for criminals. Uh, what we also see uh, that, that has changed uh, for criminal groups is that uh, criminal groups active in uh, the cyber area, they are now actively recruiting collaborators because they need specialists for their cyber attacks. So the, the issue of uh, crime as a, service, as a service is very, very actual at the moment. And what we also see is that the period between the initial infection with the ransomware and the activation of the ransomware attack is much shorter. So they don't wait anymore to the ideal moment uh, to launch the attack. A new thing we discovered uh, this week is that uh, unexperienced group, criminal groups who were not active in cybercrime, uh, so unexperienced uh, criminal group in cybercrime, they now commit attacks, but their phishing uh, mails does not always lead 
uh, to an attack because they do not have the experience to launch an attack. So what they actually do, uh, to put it in, in, in another way, is they, they take, for instance, a hospital uh, as a hostage. Yeah, indeed. That yeah. is what they do, yes. Yeah. Do, you, do you have an idea of how widespread these sort of crimes, both these cyber crimes and the others related to the corona crisis, how widespread this, this is in Europe right now? Uh, we have um, the issue in all the member states of the European Union. Uh, but, for instance, for counterfeit goods, that uh, started first in the country who was first affected by the pandemic, so in Italy. And you see, for instance, the issue we have with counterfeit goods, it follows the pandemic because they use the fear of the people in that member states because the people are looking for medication, they are looking for pro goods to protect themselves, and they are looking for information. So the countries who are the hardest hit by the virus are also the hardest hit by, by this sort of crime? It is the, the countries who were first affected by the, by the crisis or the first, uh, there we see the most activities of the criminal organizations uh, for counterfeiting goods. How about a country like, like Denmark? Um, there, are, uh, there is an, uh, an increase of um, uh, child sexual exploitation material online. We do not only see this in Denmark, uh, but we see this in, in, in all the member states. But uh, Denmark has reported the increase uh, themselves. This is also uh, the second big issue for us uh, related to cybercrime, is the increase of the child abuse material online. And uh, we know this, uh, that this is increasing because uh, we have more information from member states. We see that more and more people are calling the, the hotlines and also our uh, dog web team at, Moni at uh, Europol is monitoring uh, the dark web and they see that uh, the conversations uh, between criminals, uh, uh, child sexual abuse, abuse uh, criminals, and uh, on the forums are uh, going up. But why do you think that, that this sort of crisis, health crisis, would make that sort of crime go up? Because um, they make use of the fact uh, that... Um, uh, children are more vulnerable due to the isolation. There can be less supervision, uh, supervision and uh, the exposure online is bigger. And uh, because of the teleworking and the fact uh, that um, child sexual abusers cannot travel at the moment, um, they, they, they look for material on the, on the cyber net, on the net, in mm -hmm. fact. Is Denmark fully participating in, in your work uh, fighting these sort of crimes since we, we have an opt-out, we're not fully members of Europol? Yeah, um, we have a, a very strong agreement uh, that has been signed in 2017 with Denmark. So there is a very good uh, cooperation with Denmark. There is a lot of information exchange, but of course um, there are limits in the cooperation. We have to uh, work with the agreement we have, which is good. But it's not uh, like a full member state. The direct access to the European information system, for instance, is not there. Mm. So it's, it's less good. The access Denmark has is less good than if Denmark was a full member. There is always an, uh, yeah, when, when you have an opt-out and you have to uh, decide on a, an agreement, uh, it's always a bit less than a full member state. But I can, I can assure you that the collaboration with Dem Denmark is very good and there is a lot of information exchange, but the uh, limited access, access is a fact. 
Denmark has has recently voted as a sort of special emergency law, as many European countries have done at the moment, uh, and the Danish law doubles and in some cases quadruples punishment for crimes, even petty crimes like theft, uh, for instance, if they are related to coronavirus. Is that helpful and is that the right thing to do right now, do you think? Uh, I cannot make an assessment of, of the decisions of the authorities in Denmark. What we are doing here at Europol is that uh, we are uh, making the overview of what different member states are doing uh, regarding the pandemic. And we see that this is an evolution in a lot of member states. Uh, and I am a strong believer in the fact that governments, they want to take care of their population. They want uh, as... Um, uh, they don't want to have many, uh, a lot of, they, they want to reduce the number of victims uh, due to the pandemic. So they take decisions uh, they think they have to take. Uh, but we see that the evolution is in, in a lot of countries uh, uh, the same. Mm-hmm. My last question is, um, <clears throat> Mrs. Director, what is your advice to European citizens to protect themselves against these corona-related crimes that we see? Uh, first of all, uh, prevention is very important. When you normally live, you close your door when you go out of your house uh, so that nobody can come in. Uh, when you access uh, the Internet, you have to be sure that you have passwords. Uh, you have to, to look at your children, uh, which websites are they looking at, um, with whom are they talking or trying to talk uh, through the Internet. When you buy goods, you have to be sure that you you have to uh, buy from um, uh, commercial institutions that you know you used to buy the goods over there. And when you look for information, it's very important that you listen to the government and you listen to the experts because there you will have the right information Um, and and that you do not uh, look at uh, information that is spread around. Uh, So you have to take a lot of uh, preventive action to prevent, uh, to protect, in fact, yourself, um, uh, not to buy counterfeit goods, not to, fa- to buy uh, false uh, tests, and to be sure that uh, when you are teleworking and when you are accessing uh, the World Wide Web, uh, you have to be sure that all the safeguards are in place and that you have a protected environment when you where you work in. Because criminals want your money and they want your identity. So you have to protect yourself uh, towards that. Tak til belgiske Katrin de Bolle. Hun har været direktør for Europol siden 2018, hvor hun tog over efter Briten Rob Wainwright. Læg mærke til, hvordan hun roser samarbejdet med dansk politi. Men at hun samtidig ikke lægger skjul på, at Danmark er dårligere stillet i samarbejdet, fordi vi har valgt at stå uden for Europol. Nå. Det var så, hvad jeg havde til dig i dag, kære lytter. Tak fordi du lyttede med på Altingets Europa-podcast. Jeg håber, du vil nyde påskedagene på en eller anden måde, på trods af den helt mærkværdige situation, vi alle sammen er i lige nu. I næste uge holder jeg fri, så der kommer der ikke nogen podcast her fra Bruxelles. Men jeg satser stærkt på at være tilbage igen ugen efter, sammen med Altingets EU-redaktør Rikke Albregsen. Så må vi se, om vi skal ned og sende fra kælderrummet igen. Mund ikke. I mellemtiden kan du følge med i, hvad der sker på altinget.dk. 
Mine kolleger i København og Stockholm arbejder videre hjemmefra for at kunne informere dig løbende om coronavirusens politiske og økonomiske konsekvenser for samfundet. Pas nu godt på jer selv alle sammen. Vores podcast er sponsoreret af Fagligt Fællesforbund 3F, men Altinget har det fulde ansvar for programmets indhold. Ansvarshævende redaktør er Jakob Nielsen, producer er Henrik Axel Bugter, og mit navn er Thomas Lauritsen. Tak for i dag. Vi er snart tilbage med en ny særudsendelse af Parlamentet, hvor Altinget taler om et Europa under lockdown. Parlamentet er sponsoreret af 3F, fordi Danmark fortjener færre journalistik om EU. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30.000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.